Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital or you are looking to get your company acquired or just need some sound financial planning and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder joining us. I think that we're going to be talking a little bit about Latin America and what's happening there. You know, for those of you that you haven't seen this as well, you probably saw my latest book, Selling Your Startup, that came out last week. Uh, obviously, amazing, you know, stuff there. Over 20 founders recommending it that have sold their companies for over $500 million a piece and even over a billion and it's basically the roadmap to help you in understanding what the exit is, how to package it, and how to get to that, you know, finish line, which at the end of the day, you know, is what it's all about, having clarity. But without further ado, I want to welcome our guest today, Angel Sagun. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alejandro. It's a pleasure to be here. So it's wonderful to have you, Angel. So let's talk about your early beginnings, because you were born in Campeche. So how was life growing up there? Well, it was quite nice. It's a very small coast town in the Yucatan Peninsula, a uh, very beautiful city, uh, very peaceful. So, yeah, uh, I learned a lot how, how to be involved in your community and, and you're very close to your parents, to your family. So it's great. I mean, that's something that I actually very much appreciate from Mexico, you know, where, where people always travel together. They want to spend time together. Uh, you know, I think that is, is, is really different from what you see maybe in Spain, where I'm from, or even in the U.S., where people are all over the place when it comes to the family. That unity is amazing. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And in a place like Campeche, where less than 100,000 um, people live there, it's very easy to, to engage with your relatives, right? Yeah, no, of course. So then in your case, what really brought you to Merida? Well, when I was 17, I moved to Mérida from Campeche because I went there to study my university, right? I started studying industrial engineer. Uh, but quickly after one year there, I, I decided to, to stop my studies uh, and move to Guadalajara to start working with an NGO helping people in needs. When, when you paused, you thought that was going to be temporary or you thought that was going to be forever? I didn't know at the time, but was temporary because after two years in Guadalajara, when I learned a lot and I grew a lot because I learned the reality of the world, right? I, I was deeply involved helping a poor child or, or people with terminal disease in rural areas. So it was quite tough, but also um, 
it was an amazing experience. So after two years there, I decided to, to move back to, to Merida to, to finish my, my university. So then let's talk about this because this actually led you to the starting of your first company, No Money Experts. So, so tell us how was that process like and, uh, and how was that journey like? Yeah, well, when I returned to Merida, my family was in, in a deep financial trouble. So basically, my father told me, like, hey, I, I, I can't pay for your tuition anymore. And I, I didn't want to, to go back to Campeche, right? So I, st I started working in, in a beverage company and a very boring administrative role. And suddenly I realized that I was very bad managing my finances, right? Uh, I started. I, I was spending a lot of money more than I earned. I didn't know how to save, how to invest. So six months later, I was studying and and, and working, but with 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 a huge debt. And I say, hey, it, it's it's. I can't be in this situation. So I started studying about personal finance, reading some books, and and. It was a surprise for me to learn that a lot of my friends and, and different people I knew was in the same situation. So one day I thought, well, why don't I build something to help in, uh, people in this situation? So I started my first fintech startup called Monumentor. That it was, um, it was the first personal finance management app for people in Latin America. And it was quite innovative at that time because it was 2008, 2010, 2000, 2009, when I launched Monumentor. It was a nap for BlackBerry because, well, BlackBerry was a popular device at that time. And we were the first to build this account aggregation system where you could link your different bank accounts in one place and, and, and create and generate smart reports, calendar, or, uh, uh, all those tools to help you achieve uh, a better financial life. And yeah, it, it was an amazing experience. At the end, it was a failure because, well, the market wasn't ready. I, I, I met tons of mistakes, business mistakes. For example, I, I, I wasn't able, I couldn't uh, build a sustainable business model behind Monumentor. So, but, but it was an amazing experience when, when, I, when I learned how to build amazing digital products. And I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting because I guess from all these struggles is where one is able to really learn. And with this company, you did not achieve the outcome that you had expected. But as, as I always say, you either succeed or you learn. So I guess when, when you're looking back and, and you're looking at that journey and, and, and also the lessons that you took away with you, that you knew you were no doubt going to implement to your next, uh, to your next uh, endeavors, what, what were some of those that, uh, that really you know, got stuck with from that, from that experience? Well, first of all, that you need to have a very strong business model behind your product, right? I think that sometimes a lot of founders focus so much in product without focusing on the business model, right? And 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 it's very and both are very 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 important, right? That's one of the most important learnings. I also learned how to to manage a team. It was a very small team, four people's team, but nevertheless, it was the first time I was managing a team, and 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 I was twenty. 21 at that time so it was a challenge and also i learned about about technology about startups about venture capital i remember that in 2010 i made my first trip to san francisco and i was amazed right i i i learned about venture capital for the first time and, and it was 
I, yeah, it blew my mind, right? So that was a, a breakthrough moment when I decided that I want I wanted to be part of of this world, right? And 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 I love it because for me, uh, since I founded Money Mentor, the most important aspect was how to build a better financial life for everyone, right? And when I discovered VC startups, fintech, I saw an amazing opportunity to merge those ambitions, right? Building technology that allow each of our customers to improve their financial lives. And you were talking about the, you know, the exposure to the U.S. culture, to to San Francisco, to that mentality of startups uh, and hyper growth companies. Obviously, a very different, you know, perhaps mentality of the of the one in Mexico at that time. I mean, I think that now in Latin America, the whole startup environment has exploded in the last five years. You know, and you have all these big investors going there to invest. But but back then, when you were executing this company, I mean, it was it was completely unheard of. You know, the whole startup world. So so what what were some of those differences that that you were seeing, and 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 also how you've seen it, you know, evolve, you know, to where you are now. Yeah, fintech wasn't even a word. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of things have changed. First of all, market adoption, right? Uh, when we launched Money Mentor, less than 10% of the population in Mexico owned a smartphone. Now, 90% of the Mexicans have a smartphone. Wow. That, that's huge, right? And, and, and also, for example, the, um, the fintech law, the fintech law that the government launched in 2018 uh, was a tipping point for, for the market, right? Give us credibility as an industry, uh, also credibility to, 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 to the investors. So, so yeah, now it's Mexico's time and the market is super hot and, 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 and the customers are looking for new solutions in, in the fintech space. So we are very, very happy to be in this position right now. And, I, and we'll talk about Albo, which is your, your latest baby. But before we go there, yeah. obviously for you, you know, you after after this experience and uh, in, in, in turning page and moving on, you basically developed or you created a software development firm to really help with larger companies. And this is really what led into you creating and bringing Albo to life. So tell us about what that what those sequence of events, you know, look like and how things unfolded. Yeah. After Money Mentor, some bankers approached me and say, hey, Angel looks like you are very good developing technology company, technology technology for banking institutions. Um, why don't you develop software for us, right? So um, I founded my second company. It was a software development uh, company specialized on financial institutions. We work with uh, banks like Scotiabank, Santander, Actinvera, Banrej, among others, and and well. It was a three years journey from 2012 to 2015, and I learned a lot about how bank, how a bank operates behind the scenes, and I learned why they are so um, yeah why their processes are so broken, why they charge so much fees. Um, and for me, it, in 2015, was very very clear and was obvious that Mexico uh, needed a new type of bank, a digital one, without branches. Who deeply cares about the customers, and and that's when I said, let's build it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So then, so then, what was that process like? Where where you go from making the decision of actually executing on this 
to really, you know, like bring it to life. I mean, what 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 happened there, like between that moment and and it being Albo being a reality? It was very very tough. Um, the first twelve months of Albo were very very tough because in one hand I well we build the product, the technology, the platform, all that stuff, but on the other. I spent a lot of time dealing with regulators, right? Uh, explaining them how a digital bank could work. Because at that time, in 2015, the regulators were asking us, hey, you, you, you won't grow if you don't have branches, right? <laughs> uh, how about the security? How about cloud? How about blah, blah, blah? Things that now seems like very silly or obvious. Yeah. Um, but at that time, were uh, a huge concern for the authority. Hopefully, they gave us their blessing, and we launched Albo in October of 2016. So, so ultimately, for the people that are listening, what is the business model of Albo? Albo basically is the leading neobank in Mexico. We offer um, a portfolio of different financial products. We started with debit accounts and debit cards, and now we are also offering peer-to-peer -peer payments, savings accounts, bill payments, um, crypto uh, loans and also business accounts for SMBs, right? And we only make money when we deliver value to our customers. Our main revenue stream are um, the interchange fees on the card payments. Every time a, a, an Albo customer pays with the Albo card, we earn the interchange fee. And we also have net interest income with our loans. We have a margin in our crypto platform. So yeah, well, we, we have different revenue streams. But the beautiful of everything is that Albo is completely free, completely, completely free. You don't need to pay anything uh, in terms of, of, of fees. And, and, and well, uh, uh, that's why we have grown so much with more than 1 million open accounts uh, with a 40% market share in Mexico and leading this race. That's amazing, and 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 you guys are fully regulated. So, you know, your your background is not coming from from the legal side. So I'm sure that for you, really getting up to speed on the regulatory side of things was quite a steep learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My background is more product and tech oriented. Nonetheless, well, when you are leading a new bank, you you need to be on top of legal and regulatory stuff. Um, Given that I spent so much time dealing with regulators in 2015, when the government launched or the, when the government started uh, planning the FinTech law in 2016, they asked me to be an advisor. So that's how I was so involved with the FinTech law. And, and at the end, everything went awesome. And we launched and well, and the government launched FinTech law in May of 2018. And for those and that, that are huge. and for those that are not very familiar with the fintech law, can you just give us, you know, like a very very high level of of what are the new things that this law opened up? Yeah, basically the fintech law um, uh, implemented a new type of financial institution in Mexico called uh, Institución de Fondos de Pago Electrónico. Go, um, or it, I mean, and, 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 and also another entity called a crowdfunding entity. And at the end, allow tech companies to be more involved in the financial space with regulated entities 100%, uh, with 100% digital operations without branches, right? 
Um, it's very similar to the e-money license in Europe, right? But even with more capabilities, right? So it's like a mini digital bank, right? Uh, where you can hold the funds, where you can issue your own debit cards, where you can do crowdfunding and, 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 and a lot of new things. So it was, it was a huge step forward for the industry. And that's the license we already have, right? The fintech license that allows us to issue our own debit cards, to hold the funds. That's why we don't need a, a partner bank to operate and, and, and give us a lot of control in the customer experience. And in this case, you know, for you guys, I mean, you're a multi-product type of platform. I mean, there, there's multiple products and you were alluding to it. I mean, that, that, that sounds like very challenging. Just doing one is tough. So how, how do you guys manage to do all of those at the same time? Yeah, it, it's very, very tough. Um, well, first of all, uh, we, we, since we have started, we have a lot of experience building financial systems, right? And software for, for, for finance. So we decided to build our own core banking system uh, from scratch. And, 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 and this allows us to build new financial products on top of that uh, very quickly, right? And that's how we have, we have built so much product in almost no time, right? So in, in less than five years, we have built a, a full portfolio of different financial products. And this allows us to increase the engagement, the retention, the, to expand the revenue per customer, to decrease the costs, given that we are not using a partner bank and we get rid of intermediaries and we are using our own uh, infrastructure. So yeah, we, we, we are in the mission to, to build the biggest bank Mexico have ever seen. And the only way to do that is to own your, your, your tech stack, right? And, and, and for you guys, I mean, you've raised quite a bit of money. How much money have you guys raised today? $72 million. I mean, that's a lot of dollars for being in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. But when you are building the largest bank Mexico have ever seen, you need to raise a lot of money. Yeah. So, so how, was, how has been the journey of, of raising that money? I mean, was it all in one go? Was it in different financing cycles? Why don't you, why don't you walk us through that? Well, uh, no, definitely in different cycles, right? The first two years from 2016, when we launched it to 2018, were very, very difficult because at that time, uh, the neobank model wasn't so appealing for investors. So it was a challenge to raise money. We had a couple of debt and uh, near-debt experiences. Um, but in 2018, uh, we were very lucky to find um, uh, to, to, that we found an amazing partner in Mountain Nazca, the best VC in Mexico by far, and they 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 invested seventy well seven point five million dollars in our seed round, and in two thousand and nineteen we raised another twenty five million dollars from Valar, the this Peter Thiel's fund. Um, they have a lot of experience in, in fintech. They they are main investors in TransferWise, in, in, in Number Twenty Six, in BlockFi, in in in, in, a, in different amazing fintech companies, and that was our Series A. And last year, in December of last year, we raised our Series B, forty five million dollars, also led by Valar, and. And yeah, well, now the market is very very hot. Uh, we are in a very strong cash position. Nonetheless, we are looking at opportunities because uh, there's a lot of appetite from the investor side in, in Latin America and specifically in fintech in Mexico. And there's probably a lot of people now listening 
and a lot of people that are outside of the typical hubs like New York or San Francisco where it's a little bit easier to really, you know, uh, walk into a Starbucks and find that investor, you know, ordering coffee, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I guess, I guess when you're in Mexico and, and you're able to, to really enroll someone like Peter Thiel and, and, and his fund to invest, I mean, what is that process like and, and what kind of advice or things you've learned to really engage, you know, investors in the U.S. being, being kind of like far away there in Mexico? Well, first of all, you need to explain the market opportunity, right? Uh, Mexico is one of the top 10 biggest country in the, uh, countries in the world, right? 130 million people live here. And, and you need to explain that and you need to explain the, the banking landscape and, and, the, and, and, and the banking penetration that it's so low, right? And if you understand the macro trends, it's, it's very obvious that Mexico is in the best spot. To, to be disrupted in terms of financial services, right? Uh, so once you explain that, you need to show traction, right? You need to show numbers. You need to show your revenue, your, your, your number of customers, your, uh, your growth rates, right? And after that, you need to, to show that you are capable to, to, to assemble an amazing team, right? Who is in your team? Why they are there, right? What's, what's their previous experience? Um, for me, these are the three main factors in order to, to convince and a, and a very good uh, investor to 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 put money in your business, and and when you were talking about it earlier, I mean, you've raised seventy two million. I mean, how have you seen the needs of the company, especially a company that is that is doing what you're doing? I mean, is is capital intensive, especially at the beginning? You know, just in licenses alone. I mean, it's in the U.S. at least it's an arm and a leg. So how how did you think about the capital allocation as you were? going from one financing cycle to another financing cycle and the company was transforming so fast? Yeah. Um, first of all, the way we allocate money, it's very, very different than, 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 than a, a traditional financial institution, right? Because as I always said, we are a technology company that offers financial services, right? We are not a, a bank with digital channels. It's a completely different strategy. So the way we allocate money is first thinking how first we, we think in the customer, right? How can we deliver more value to each of our customers, right? And 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 the best way we have found that we can deliver value is building product, right? So we invest a lot of energy and money and resources building the best product, right? And what does that mean? Well hiring the best developers, hiring the best product managers, hiring the best C level, right? And building process, core process that allows allow us to deliver more value quick, uh, quickly, right? Faster than anybody else. That's why we have launched more products that, uh, uh, than anybody else in the market in, 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 in a few couple of years. And for me, that's an obsession. How to deliver more and more and more value faster than anybody else. And that's why almost all of our spending is technology, product, and, and how to speed speed up things uh, with our current uh, piece of development, right? And obviously also uh, growth, right? How to acquire more customers with uh, the lowest possible CAC, right? Trying different channels, trying different initiatives, partnerships, online, offline uh, channels. And, and by far, those are the two main aspects where we invest more money. And you were, you were mentioning that you had, um, because obviously when you have the numbers and you have the historicals, it gets a little bit easier to raise money. 
but you were alluding to it that early on you had some near-death experiences when you were raising money and and Mountain Nazca, you know, stepped in and and you know really helped you guys to take things to the next level. What were some of the challenges that you were encountering there and how were you able to overcome those challenges so that the company not only was able to survive, but more importantly, thrive? In 2016, when we launched Albo, we were the first neobank in the country, right? So the, the neobank model wasn't so mature, uh, not in Mexico and not, in, uh, not anywhere. And the local investors were not so excited about, uh, about the opportunity because they didn't believe that a small startup could challenge the traditional banking system and the big guys in the banking sector. Uh, so it was it was very, very, very tough. And also, uh, fintech wasn't so hot and Mexico wasn't so hot, right? Not any U.S. investor or, or European was looking to enter the market. So basically, your only choice were local investors. And, and that's why it was so, so hard, right? But suddenly, Mountain Nazca stepped in and they put us a very good term sheet and 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 with that term sheet we were we were able to to convince uh, foreign investors such as Greyhound Capital from London and also uh, Omedia Network from Pierre Omedia in, in in San Francisco and and we closed this uh, amazing 7 million dollar seed round right and 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 that was a tipping point for the company definitely that's where we started to scale. So imagine, you know, talking about scaling now and, 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 and thinking about the future too, imagine that you go to sleep tonight, Angel, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Albo is fully realized. What does that world look like? I love that question. <laughs> it's an open and decentralized financial system uh, where Albo is one-stop shop for each of, uh, of our customers. Right. Obviously, as Al was the leading bank in, in Mexico, right, with 50 million customers. That's our vision, right? We definitely believe that the bank that will win, it will be a open, decentralized bank with a platform approach. Uh, one mistake that a lot of traditional banks have made in the past is that they are offering every service and every product by their own, right? You enter wellfargo.com and you will find checking accounts, credit card, insurance, investment banking, like you name it. And nobody could be the best in everything, right? That's why Apple is not making printers. So we believe that in Apple, we must uh, build three or four anchor products, right? Each one in, in one vertical, right? And we need to build the financial platform that allow that other parties, third parties, other financial institutions, other, other banks, other, other retailers could offer their products to our customer base and Albo earns a fee, right? And, and the secret sauce for that is to build your own tech stack. And, and, and second is the data, right? We are data obsessed. And we have a lot of data of each of our customers. We have the KYC, right? But we also have the transactional information and we know things, for example, we know if, if you prefer Burger King or McDonald's, right? And on top of that, we have alternative data. We have the GPS location of each of our customers. We have the, uh, uh, the device, the, the OS, uh, the address book. So with this data, we can do 
amazing, beautiful things, right? Because we can really understand our customers. And given that we are the bigger, uh, the biggest new bank in the in the region, we have this data advantage, right? And and with this data, we are offering new financial products to our customers, partnering with third parties, right? Wow. So, so I guess in 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 this sense, you know, as you know, obviously we're talking about like what's the vision and where things are at. I mean, where are things today? I mean, anything that you can share with us in terms of like how many employees do you have or anything else to give us a sense of the scope and the size of the operation of Albo? Definitely. Well, as I mentioned, we have more than 1 million open accounts, active accounts, growing 4x uh, per year, right? Um, we are 220 employees working remotely. Most of us uh, are based in, in, in Mexico, but we also have people in other countries. And the goal is to become the largest bank Mexico have ever seen. And, and that's why we are investing a lot of energy building the team. We have, we have brought uh, amazing talent in the past few months, right? People from, from Intuit, from Goldman Sachs, uh, Mercado Libre, uh, Google, and, 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 and well, I'm very, very excited of, of this new journey that, 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 that we are pursuing. And the thing that excites me the most is that we have built this amazing platform with different financial products. And now we are uh, ready to, 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 to conquer Mexico and to become the largest bank Mexico have, have ever seen, right? Amazing. So imagine I put you in a time machine. I put you in a time machine and I'm putting, I'm bringing you back in time and I'm bringing you back in time also with this wealth of knowledge that you've been able to acquire, you know, over the course of building and scaling these companies. No? But, um, but I bring you back in time, you know, perhaps to, uh, you know, maybe like still being in, in university and, and, and thinking about the world and maybe like, uh, you know, you had the conversation with your dad and, you know, you needed to find your own way. Imagine you're able to have a sit down with your younger self. And you're able to tell that younger self one piece of advice before launching a business based on what you know now. What would that be and why? First of all, to first focus on the mission, right? Uh, for me now, it's very, very clear that I am building the world where I want to live in, right? And for me, that, that's my motto, right? And uh, I would say this younger angel, hey, Choose your model and focus on that. That's the most important thing, the end game, right? And second, to maybe be more aggressive uh, at the beginning, right? Uh, I should start earlier this. Maybe I should start Albo in 2013, in 2015, right? To not to, to worry about, to, 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 to enjoy the moment, right? Uh, I'm always, uh, um, I don't know, uh, stress, uh, about the future goals and, 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 and how to deliver more value. And, and a lot of things are, are going on every day. And I need to, to learn that the present is the only thing we have. So, so to enjoy more the, the process and the journey, right? I, I fully agree with you on that. I mean, that's very profound. Nothing like embracing the journey because people always think about, you know, the end goal and the future and, and that makes them completely unhappy. You know, and it takes out the joy. Yeah. You know? So uh, I'm right there with you, Angel. So I guess for the for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Email and Twitter. Uh, my email is angel, A-N-G-E-L, at albo, 
A-L-B-O.mx. And my Twitter handle is Angel Sagun, right? So, yeah, those are the two best ways. Amazing. Well, Angel, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you, Alejandro, for the invitation. I really enjoyed the conversation. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.